This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. We are still in lockdown across the world pretty much, uh, but we are continuing to provide you content. We're a little bit later this week um, than we usually we record on, on Monday or on Tuesday. And this week is Friday, so this episode will be out a little bit later. But in this week's episode, we have a couple of uh, topics uh, to discuss. We already um, alluded to it on Twitter this week. We are going to... Um, do a little game so to speak but before we get to that there's a couple of topics i do want to address uh, before i do that let me just introduce myself my name is kam Bayezid, and i am joined this week by my usual co-hosts burak sisgin the man of the law as you may know him jakub marofolo or trabzonspor guy and then of course umut nadere we just keep him around because his parents asked us very nicely to do so guys welcome back to the show and I hope you're all uh, healthy and uh, keeping safe and well-fed. Well, well, well-fed is not an issue. Trust me, especially with, with Easter weekend coming up. For those who choose to indulge in a little bit of chocolate, I will be doing so. I've got myself a nice Easter egg, but in the shape of a stormtrooper. So I will looking forward to munching that over the weekend. Not in the and, shape uh, of, a ba- of a baby Yoda? I couldn't find that one, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> so you looked for it, huh? Um, I did have a little peek. Um, they haven't got around to that bit of the merchandising yet. How big is that? Um, it is about the size of an adult hand, um, like a normal adult hand. I'll, I'll send All a right. picture around to the group later, and I'll, I'll oh. probably actually just tweet it out for the listeners so they can see before it gets devoured. I want a one-to-one scale Baby Yoda Easter egg. I'm sure we can find that for you somewhere, my friend. <laughs> well, you would imagine that here in Belgium they make it somewhere. You know, some chocolatier probably makes it. But uh, yeah, they're close now, I guess. So uh, not probably. this year. Not this year. Uh, so no barbecuing yet, Bura? Because you're a big uh, barbecue man, of course. Uh, that's going to be tomorrow or Sunday. Oh, okay. We actually just ordered a new barbecue, uh, you know, uh, on on Amazon yesterday. So, hopefully, in the, in the next couple of weeks, we'll be able to grill us up some meat as well. Charcoal barbecue. I hope not gas. Yeah, charcoal. Uh, Kim is uh, adamant uh, that it has to be charcoal. Uh, personally, um, of course, charcoal is better, but I don't really care that much. But uh, I'm going to shut up now before you laser me dead with your uh, Superman eyes. Well, I, I agree with Kim. You have a wonderful wife there. <laughs> Jakub, uh, Umut, what are you, have you guys been up to? Uh, what are your plans? Are you celebrating Easter? Is there any chocolate already uh, in the cupboards ready to devour on Monday? Well, uh, 
you know, it's not a kind of a Turkey tradition to celebrate the yeah, Easter. Neither but... is Christmas and, you know, Turkey is full of Christmas trees. Yeah, but, you know, it's the New Year, but and it's the same in everywhere in the world. But this is a different kind of a celebration and it doesn't quite fit in this uh, culture in Turkey. But I celebrated myself uh, with not having lectures anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll make up for that and I'll uh, be sure to give you a couple of lectures next week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Jakub, what about you? Did you uh, travel over uh, the border to get yourself some of that good old Belgian chocolate? And were you stopped by the cops? Um, <laughs> I'm not really a chocolate guy, to be honest. So um, I do get uh, around Easter time. I do get like the like the Easter eggs. I, I quite like those. But uh, I just started like a diet thing where I just stopped myself from eating a, a boatload of candy and chocolate and whatnot. So you know, life. I guess you know since I'm I, since I'm always at home at this at the, these days. I'm trying to keep myself away from stuff like that. <laughs> Um, because otherwise I'm going to be so round, you can probably push me for several, several kilometers. You know, it's very easy. Just get a big garden with a trampoline in it, get a kid, and uh, I assure you, you will not have any time for sitting around and eating candy, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I, I've seen a little bit too much of the sun this week, uh, and also a little bit too much of my son. <laughs> That's just a bad joke. Bad it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, a poor joke. I'm sure. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a class. It's a classic dad joke, which you are yeah, entitled yeah. to make because you're a dad. So uh, yeah, yeah, for two you. years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> two? What are you talking about? He's almost five. Oh, you're getting older, Umut. You're getting older. Yeah, I'm getting close to your age. <laughs> next next month he'll be five. Um, on the oh. on the nineteenth of May. I, well, I, I was so angry that Kim just couldn't keep it in for two more hours. He was born at ten past ten on nineteen oh five. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I made this joke earlier uh, yesterday. Actually, I said, "Why didn't he just come out two months earlier?" <laughs> Can't you just do what they used to do back in the days in Turkey and just say, "Like, no, he just—he he was born like ten minutes later." How they used to like write white people like two months younger before, so yeah, they could yeah, go yeah. to the oh. army and stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, anyway, guys, uh, before we get into the fun stuff uh, that we already uh, spoke about on Twitter uh, with our teams, uh, but I, I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about uh, what's currently happening here in Belgium. In Belgium, here they decided to stop the season. Um, they got a little bit of a tug of war with UEFA for a while there, where UEFA were threatening on um, uh, not allowing Belgian clubs into the European competitions next season, but apparently UEFA have backed off from that now. So Belgium have declared Club Brugge the champions. They were already 15 points ahead, so just one match to go in the regular season. Of course, there were still the playoffs left to be played, but they were 15 points up, so uh, that's understandable. Um, but then uh, no clubs will be relegating, and next season, instead of playing the season with 16 clubs, they'll be playing with 18 clubs, so two clubs from the second division will still come up. 
Um, so yeah, that's what Belgium decided to do. They will not be uh, starting up the season again. Of course, uh, we heard earlier this week, Burak, I believe, uh, that uh, Turkey are planning on restarting uh, the league. What was it in um, in, in in May? What did they uh, What did they announce? The TFF they had a, a statement uh, midweek, I think, last week. Yeah, they had a, a, a meeting with UEFA with, with lots of other leagues from around Europe. Mm-hmm. And they said that they're monitoring the situation. And Turkey said they plan to start it in the second week of May, all things being well. That is being monitored. And I believe they're having weekly or bi-weekly calls. So if that changes at all at any point in the near future, when they have further meetings with UEFA, then they will obviously... Um, disclose that um, to us publicly so that will be on the TFF website but for the time being it looks like it's all set to continue I think they said second week of May but but who knows And I don't think they've mentioned if it's going to be behind closed doors or with fans and I don't know how the footballers are going to react to it um, either so it'll be interesting to see it pan out Yeah so we'll be without football for at least another month um, I would not be surprised at the end of the day if it got postponed again, and uh, if maybe even in, in Turkey and in other countries across Europe um, the leagues would be stopped. But we'll have to, of course, continue to monitor that situation, and we will update uh, you on that, of course, uh, as uh, news of that breaks. So uh, I think that's pretty much all the, the newsworthy stuff uh, in football country. So let's move on to the fun stuff. Then we had a little uh, concept that was, uh, I think, uh, Umut shared something like this uh, with us in the group um it was uh, what was it called a karma ombir uh, or something where yeah uh, i found out from the uh, uh what do you call it magazino uh fun stuff which is called socrates uh, uh which is published around in turkey uh, uh with great authors and great uh, writers uh, thinking about these football uh, stuff, uh, which is from like uh, in our generation or the, in the past generation as well. So uh, they decided to do it, and uh, I think like uh, why wouldn't we join it? Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. We are great minds of football. Why shouldn't we join it? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the title we're gonna call it, we're gonna call it the other eleven. Um, and basically, what we're going to do is uh, we are going to co- uh, combine a team of eleven players. Obviously, uh, you are only allowed to have a maximum of three players per team per Super League team. So it is based on the Super League, obviously. Uh, You are not allowed to pick any players of your own club. You are not allowed to pick any players of other clubs that have played for your club. But you are allowed, for example, uh, if, if uh, if you're a Fenerbahce fan, you are allowed to pick... Uh, a player that played for both Galatasaray and Trabzonspor and then just put him under a Trabzonspor banner uh, in order not to have uh, four Galatasaray players, for example. That is okay. Um, And then, of course, uh, these players may no longer be active in Turkey. So we're going to be talking mainly about retired players or under some uh, circumstances, of course, players that are currently active in another country. But we will, of course, uh, list them as uh, the Turkish club they played for. Yeah, sorry about that. 
as a Turkish club they played for. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, start off with um, the eldest of the group. Burak, you are uh, going to be able to start. Please uh, let us know your team, the positions, and a little bit of uh, reasoning, um, a little bit of, of a story, perhaps memories of the players uh, of your choice. Oh, of course. Now, I went for a, a classic 4 4 2 um, formation. I was thinking of changing it up to a four-three-three or a three-four-three three, um, to get more players in there. But then I thought I'm gonna I'll stick with a classic four-four-two. And my goalkeeper, which may surprise uh, some of the listeners, is I have gone for Zradko Zradkov, the Bulgarian uh, key goalkeeper. Um, now I remember him from his earliest uh, stint at Istanbul Sport, mm-hmm. where he played for a couple of seasons, um, and that was back in the nineteen from ninety seven to ninety nine. So um, right at the time where I was getting a lot more into to watching Turkish football, and Zradkov would always appear on on commentary, and. One of the reasons I chose him is so I could um, save my players from other teams into the outfield, which you'll hear coming forward. So I, I didn't go with choices like Fabri or Cordoba or Mondragon or Tafarel, which some of you may have gone for. But I remember uh, Zradkov being a key part of the Bulgaria squad in the 1994 World Cup in, in America. Um, by the time it came around to 1998, he was still still in goal, and he was going well um, in the group stages, but then he let in six goals against Spain. Um, but he was still classed as one of the top performers, uh, despite letting in those six goals. And by, I think he was coming to the end of his international career by around 2004, 2005. I remember him being at Euro 2004, but that Bulgaria team had, had lost everything um, mm. by that time. It was a, a shadow of... The 1914 when he had like, Lechkov and Stoichkov and um, even of the guy who, who looked like a mix between um, Egerman Korkmaz and the old Faruk from Fenerbahce with a, a, a full beard and a lovely mullet. But and Kostadinov, is... the former Fenerbahce player. Yeah, you can't forget um, Emil. Um, and they used to do a lovely parody of him called Kostla because that was a Turkish detergent at the time <laughs> so they, they liked to do him but um, I always liked Zradkov when he was at Istanbul Sport um, I actually quite liked the, that Istanbul Sport team around that time and he was always a, a solid performer and he, he pinged around a little bit in Turkey actually so he went to Adana Sport then he came back to Istanbul Sport and then he like I think he I'm looking at his stats he went to this team called Cherno More, I don't know where they are, back in Bulgaria. Then he came back to Istanbul Sport for a little bit. Um, yeah, I was going to say, didn't he play around 2002, 2003 too? Because I remember his bald head uh, from, from that season. Yes, the iconic bald head. Yeah. So, um, but like, yeah, that was towards the end of his career, so it wasn't as prolific as his, his first season. But he is my choice for, for goalkeeper, good old Zradkov. And we now go to my my back four. So I went for a traditional uh, left back, two centre backs and a right back. I'll start with left back and I went for Cicinio, um of Sivaspor. Um, reasoning behind this, I, I was shocked as anyone when he actually came to Sivaspor. Uh, but 
in in one respect you've not you know massively shot because Turkey would make outrageous signings like this. So they're bringing these big stars towards the end of their careers. But he still had a lot in him. I think he was assist king one season when he was in Turkey mm-hmm. whilst he was there. And playing for Sivas Sport, um, let's see, when, when is it? Uh, I think he had three seasons there. Um, yeah. Until he got a really bad injury and uh, he was still amazing up until that point. Yeah, and it was, um, even though he was in his early 30s, when he arrived, he still had a bit of pace. I remember him from his days at Roma, when he was the, the marauding right back there. Um, and I put him in because I thought, okay, he's got a bit of pace and he's got a good cross on him. And you'll find out when I mention my attackers later on, because um, I thought he could build up a good partnership down the right-hand side with my right midfielder, which I'll get to. Um, so from, I've put him at left-back. I know he's a traditionally a, a right-back, but I had to put in this guy at right-back, and that is Recep Cetin, the oh. um, l- legendary Besiktas right-back, legendary captain, who captained the national team a few times as well. Now, maybe I'm showing my age here, but I remember him playing um, at Besiktas in the the early 90s, seeing him in the, uh, the national team at Euro 96. can't remember if he played at Euro 2000 or not. I don't no, know if he, I think he was retired by that point. I think he quit around ninety nine or ninety eight, maybe. Uh, that sounds look it up actually. But uh, please continue. sounds sounds right. But yeah, he was um, not a one team man because he like he started at Samsung, then the majority of his career was at Besiktas before having a season at Trabzonspor, then Istanbulspor. Istanbulspor seemed to be the place where all people would end up. Um, or for some reason, but um, he was a dependable right back. Um, he's a good tackler. He was short, which I liked about him because I'm short. So I thought, here's a guy. You know, he looks about my height and he's playing football. And um, I just always thought he was a a good professional, so he could um, anchor the team. Now I've not made a decision for for captain yet, but it would probably would be between. Um, three players but I'll make my mind up by the end so I'd have Recep as my my right back um, and come to my my central defensive partnership I've gone for Gigi Popescu and Thomas Sivok Um, Popescu of Galatasaray of course and Sivok from Besiktas Um, Popescu what a signing what a signing he was Again, one of the, the Romanians I remember from the 94 World Cup when Romania had that amazing tournament, just like Bulgaria as well. And it was always, he was always just a classy defender, a classy central defender, um, good leadership qualities, um, good just, you know, history. So he'd uh, been at PSV, Tottenham, Barcelona before coming to Galatasaray, where he had, I think, four years Um 111 appearances um won you know a lot of trophies uefa cup and he was always just an, an elegant center back he didn't panic too much uh, read the game well good in the tackle um don't think he popped up with too many goals but he would get your goal here and there maybe a couple of season but i put him in there more so for the fact he was um, a great center back and alongside him i put uh sivok um, some people might be, you know, a little bit surprised, thinking, "Why have you gone for him?" 
But again, it was a case of juggling up the players from, from different clubs. But Sivok was always a a tough defender. Um, he had you know a long career at Besiktas before then moving to Borussia Sport. And he was always just a solid, solid defender with, with tackles. Um, he wouldn't let you down too much from what I remember having watched him when he played against us and when he played for Besiktas. And again, I think he would complement um, Popescu quite well. So you'd have two tough tackling centre-backs back there. And that's my reasoning behind him. So that is my back four completed. So let's move on to my midfield. I've gone for a classic uh, former midfield, left wing, right wing, um, two central midfielders. Um, I started with left back, so I'll start with my left midfielder. I have picked Pini Balili. Um, uh, the little Israeli. Um, now he played at a number of different Turkish teams. I've gone for Pini Balili in his Istanbul days, but he was just a a little pocket rocket, as he referred to him. He was another guy that was uh, quite short but quick, just very quick. I remember him being, you know, skillful. He'd always pop up with a decent amount of goals from the midfield for you. I think in his first season at Istanbul Sport, he had, I, I think he had about, he's saying 13 goals in all competitions. I'm not sure how many of those were in the league. But then he went on to Kayseri, Sivas, um, ended at Antalya, where he didn't have you know that great season, but he was getting a little bit old by then. But he was always someone who would, who would get the ball, beat the defender and either score or, or make a good pass, make a good cross. And he would help to get... Um, uh, a number of goals in there so what happened there is i think he he had a uh, a bad tackle um from what these this trubs i'm looking at his wikipedia page by the way as well so i'm just making sure i've got the the, the stats and the, the teams up but yeah he was um uh, i don't remember this tackle on him by the the trubs on uh, midfielder abdelaziz but apparently that happened and there was a little bit of a fracker and it was a big old like fight on the pitch, which I can't bring to the front of my eyes for was now. Ayman, right? Ayman. Ayman, Did he yes. play for Trabzonspor? I don't even remember him playing there. Yeah, he, he did. He played there, yeah, when uh, Ziadoan came to Trabzonspor, he took it with him. Ah, okay. Yeah. Awful player. A really awful player. He was really good against Terry really. And uh, wasn't yeah. he at Malatya too? But he was a... Yeah, he was a... Pff, Bone-crunching midfielder, you know. Yeah, and he, he crunched Balili. Um, <laughs> but, you know, uh, he still managed to perform well that season um, for, for Sivaspor. And he would always be on, on highlights, and you'd always hear commentators talk about him. He never got moved to one of the, the big four um, clubs um, for some reason. I'm not, not sure why. Maybe they the transfers didn't work out. But he's always a, a good player that added a lot to the, the Super League. So he would be my pick for my my left wing, and he would coordinate well with Cecilio on the the left as well. Maybe some overlaps going on there. Um, both quite quick as well, so you have some pace on that left flank. And I'll shoot over to my right winger now. Um, I've gone for Ibrahima Yattara from from Trabzonspor. Um, just a great player, um, quick, powerful, strong would beat people, would score goals, would get in a box, would um, always be a nuisance. You'd always be tough to play against because you knew you were going to be in for a rough time when you played him purely because of his his physicality, 
but never in like uh you know a brutish way but good good pace good trickery as well and he had that lovely blonde hair which made him stick out in the the throbs on sports shirt so and he came from antwerp so um do you remember his days at antwerp at all I don't, oh. but I do believe he has a brother that was pl- that played like as a goalkeeper as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't know. No, I never saw him at Antwerp. I, I think actually I might have, um, but that's so long ago. Um, but he, he, when I remember when he went to Trabzonspor, that it was kind of like, oh, that's that's interesting. But then he completely exploded, and uh, I, for a long time, I kind of viewed him as the Ronaldinho of the Turkish Super League. Because that's kind of what he reminded me of a little bit. Yeah, and that's not you know one of the reasons I, I picked him down. Now I'm not sure how much he could work with Recep, because I don't know if Recep was ever renowned for his pace, but I think he could equally come back and help out just because of, of his athleticism. So and he would make a really good addition to my team. Now central midfielders, I've gone for the pairing of Tugay Kirimolo and Haji. Um, both players who I, I remember watching in that in that great Galatasaray team um, of the the late nineties. Um, Tuga left uh, a season before they went on to win the UEFA Cup, purely because he was such a good player. They got transfer offers in for him. Um, he went to Rangers and and then he ended up um, becoming a legend at Blackburn Rovers in the Premiership, where he would score outrageous goals from outside of the box, and they would sometimes be these incredible volleys where the ball would not spin at all. He would hit it in such a way that the ball would stay in the exact position that he kicked it before it then went into the goal. And I remember on his last the game at Blackburn, all the fans wore Tugay masks. Um, and fun fact, I actually met him once in the Selfridges department store in London. Um, this was when he was still playing at Blackburn. And I think I was on my lunch break working around the area. And I just looked up and there was this guy in these like smart dark jeans, uh, a white blazer and like a white shirt. And I looked up and I just saw this huge nose and I was like, yep, <laughs> that's, that's Tugai definitely with, <laughs> with his with his Luz nose and his, his long white hair at that point. Yeah, it's awesome how, how he had like the silver... Uh, hair already at, at a relatively young age. I always really liked that, and it really set him apart because you don't see that very often in football. That you have a a player that's that's you know a silver fox. Uh, I only really remember Nikolaidis. What no? Uh, what's the goalkeeper again? Nikopolidis. Nikopolidis, right? Nikolaidis was the striker from uh, Aika. Yeah. And of course, uh, Ravanelli. From ah, yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, Juventus. Yeah, that's the one I wanted to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah. The, you see, you remember them because they stand out. And uh, yeah, two guy definitely had that too. And he was just just classy the way he played the game, the way he passed, um, the way he could play in different positions in midfield as well. So he could either be a central midfielder there, anchoring and um, the passing. Um, he could play a little bit deeper and then set the play up with his great range of passing. Uh, in his younger days he was an attacking midfielder when he still had his legs but even towards the end of his career when he was 37, 38 at Blackburn Rovers he was still still quality um, in a midfield um, I think what they asked once I think it was Mark Hughes managing Blackburn Rovers at the time and he said don't you wish that to guy was 10 years younger and he said no, because if he was he'd be playing in a Barcelona shirt um, which is very um, apt 
because he, he was that good. So that is why I've got Tugay in there. And again, he's also got you know good leadership skills as well. So he'd be another one vying for the captaincy, which I'm, I'm yet to decide on. And and partnering Tugay in um, central midfield, I have the great Georgie Hadji. Um, it was a shock when I found out he was being transferred to Galatasaray um, because he didn't get that many big, big names in, in Turkish football at, uh, at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe he came in the, the mid to mid-90s, like 96, I yeah, believe. 96, yeah. So that was just two years after he'd had that amazing World Cup with Romania. Yeah, he had he one two years later again, I think, right? Romania had a great 98. Yes, that's when they all dyed their hair blonde. Indeed, and he was he was um, already playing at Galatasaray at that point. Yeah. But uh, '94 is when he really exploded exploded onto the scene for me. That was, an, I think, that's when he was playing at that Barcelona, or he'd just gone there from from Brescia, um in in the summer. Yeah, that was but, really the, the the coming out parties for well the the big moments for both Stoichkov for Bulgaria and uh, Haji for Romania. Yeah, he just scored some like ridiculous goals. I think I remember the one he scored against Sweden, where it was from like nearly forty yards out. And I thought to myself, "Bloody hell, who's this guy? He's just exploded onto the scene." Because I wasn't watching a lot of European football at that point. Um, but even so, you know, he was he was playing in Italy, and again, he's just one of, one of the best ever foreign players was to it have played. Russia, then I think, right? Yes. So. so so describe the feeling, because I don't remember this at all. So as a Fenerbahce fan, what what, what did you feel like when uh, your biggest rival, or, at, well, I don't know if at the time you would consider Galtry your biggest rival, but... Uh, always, always yeah. the biggest rival. So so how did that feel then, uh, to find out that Galtry signed uh, George Haji? I was like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a feeling. I was like, shit, now they're going to really kick on. Did you ever and have then... that feeling again with another player? Um, possibly with, with Drogba and Schneider, um, probably more so with, with Drogba, um, just cause I'd seen him play a lot more in the, the premiership and absolutely excel at Chelsea, um, with a pure beast that he was not. I was thinking, how is our defense going to handle this guy when he's, he's up for it? Um, and, and possibly, and, and Schneider, cause he was just classy as well. I was torn between Hudgy and Schneider in my team here cause I've got, um, obviously Popescu in the back and I wanted to put Tugay in there because I, I loved him as a player and then between Haji and Schneider I thought I probably watched Haji play more um, and he just left more of an impression on me from his World Cup performances um, standing out who's really like the the star of that Romanian team and the, there were so many stars in that Dutch team at the time when Schneider was playing, he had like Robin and um, Van der Vaart and players like like Seedorf as well. Um, so I think for that reason, I went with Haji um, on this occasion, um, just because he's, like I say, one of the top foreign players who have ever played in Turkey. And it was a great advertisement for the Turkish league when he came. And undoubtedly, he was the the key driver in the, the success, success of that Galatasaray team um, that went on to dominate for four years. So um, that goes to Haji. So that's my midfield, all stated out. And now we come to my strikers. So I've gone for two strikers. Um, the first one I've gone for is Mario Gomez um, of, of Besiktas fame. Um, basically, he, he came in and won the league 
and he was a great striker. Um, he would, what more can I say? Finishing, um, composure, coolness, professionalism in true German style. Yeah. Um, he would always get your goal. He would show up in the big matches and he was just a joy to watch for that one season. Um, just scoring goals for fun. Just Especially him in. because it was just one season, probably. Uh, it could be, but he, he left that much of a mark that I thought... Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, imagine if he had stayed, you probably wouldn't have liked him as much. <laughs> probably. Pro- I would have still respected no, him, yeah, 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 but yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. of, of I mean, course he, I would have. He didn't do much to... Uh, yeah, he wasn't a, a, a polarizing person. Like no, said, you know, typical German. No, apart from that foul on Bruno Alves, but we don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> but but still, he was... Yeah, you knew I was going to say that, of course. But yeah, just um, a, a great player all around. And he would be f- in dreamland, feeding off the passes from Haji, from Tugai, um, the crosses from Yattara and Balili. And the guy who I think he would form a good partnership with is um, Mr. Fatih Teke. From from Trabzonspor. Now, what a forward he was in that. Was it the 2004-2005 season yeah. where the Trabzon finished runners-up, where he got over 30 goals in the league, and he was just great. He wasn't like the the biggest guy on the pitch, but he was so strong. He got a lot of headers, and he would just always be there to score you a goal. Um, so, yeah, he, he reminded me a lot of uh, Wesley Song. And uh, recently, I think I, I, I did a tweet of some of the players that had like the most impact on me growing up. And Sonko was one of them. And some people ask me, who the hell is that? Like, they have no clue who that is. But it's basically, it's, a, it's somebody like Fatih Teke, like a relatively small stature striker. But they had an amazing leap, like Fatih Teke also had. Like, he, they could jump so ridiculously high, it's ridiculous. Um yeah, Fatih Teke yeah. was amazing. I couldn't put him in my team because he played for us for... He stopped over for a cup of coffee, unfortunately, so... He did, yeah, for <laughs> literally <laughs> a, a, a small cup of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed, and then he had his like Russian adventure at, at Zenit and then Rubin Kazan. Won the um, UEFA Cup with Zenit. He did. So another example of like a, a great striker that was you know, recognised for his talents and was promptly transferred abroad. Um, it's just a shame he never had the chance to shine in a national team. Um, I know he, you know, he got like you know a few goals, uh, nine goals overall. But yeah, I remember him scoring quite a bit in qualifiers. But then, like, yeah, we never we never made it to the tournaments where he got a lot in the World Cup 2006 qualification. Um, I think, yeah, is that one we where we had the big fight with Switzerland? Um, 2004. Yeah, it has to be because 2004 was Latvia, so it has to be. Yeah. So I've gone with Fatih Teke. Um, would have liked to have seen him you know, perform more prominently with Turkey, but um, yeah, he was always a player I enjoyed watching. Um, just a great striker, so... Um, that is my team. So, and we'll go through it from the start. In goal, you've got Zradko Zradkov, a left-back, Cicinho, centre-back, Georgi Popescu, centre-back, Thomas Sivok, right-back, Recep Cetin. A left midfield, Pini Balili. Um, central midfield, Tugay Kirimola and Georgi Haji. Right midfield, Ibrahima Yattara. And up front, Mario Gomez and the Fatih Teke. 
So if I would not have put any limitations on you here, would you uh, still have gone for Mario Gomez as one of your strikers? Or would you have maybe picked Mario Jardel over him or someone like that? Um, I would have stuck with Gomez, I think. Just because Jardel came in, you know, big money transfer, but he wasn't as prolific as as Gomez was. And Gomez came in and, you know, helped Besiktas win the league in his, in his one and only season. And Jardel came in after the UEFA a cup victory, um, was there for the Real Madrid match. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, if I didn't have any more limitations, I would have maybe gone for someone like uh, Philip Holosko, I always <laughs> really? really enjoyed watching. Yeah, just something about him. I just love his style of play um, out on the wing. So I would have gone for him. Um, I've only got two throw-ups and support players in there. Um, no harm. Um, no, no harm because I thought he doesn't fit in above Tugai and Haji for me. Um, if I could have had another Garth Strike player, I probably would have gone for like Tafferon in goal. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, Jakub, do you want to go next? Yes, 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 yes. Of course, um, I had a hard time picking <laughs> picking a team. <laughs> yeah, you didn't um, quite understand the rules. It seemed. <laughs> no, I just you know I I the, a lot of players that I um, liked and admired either played for us for a couple of played for Trabzonspor for a couple of days, couple of seasons, or um, I was just stuck with the um, with the limit of three uh, three players per team. I also only at first when I started I wanted to do a team with players with only players that have uh, retired, but um, I also wanted to make a team with players that I did watch. So it was a, a little bit uh, a little yeah. bit difficult for me to both do players that retired and both players that I did watch a lot. So um, I went with a four-three-three. Um, I have. Of course, you're, uh, you're Dutch, of course. You I mean, to. you have to. You have to. You have to. Um, in goal, in goal, I have Mondragon. Um, I remember being uh, being a young lad and watching Godfrey, and I always thought like the way that he kept and uh, the, the the composure that he had in goal, um, with uh, the little bit of Turkish that he spoke, it was just so wonderful to see a keeper as uh, as good as Mondragon in the in the Turkish league. Um, Trabzonspor had a lot of awful keepers for a long time. So every time I watched Galatasaray play, I was like, damn, you know, why can't we have a keeper like that? And it seemed like um, he was kind of like, um, you know, those those early Galatasaray squads that I watched had a lot of hearts. But um, generally, you don't, sometimes the keepers don't have a lot of hearts and are, are a little bit of the silent type. But every time that Mondragon played, you could see him screaming. Shouting to everyone, telling players what to do, where to stand, uh, how to defend, and watch players and stuff. And I always liked that. Um, as for the back four, um, I chose a back four which, um, as I said, I, I, I like a lot of hearts. Um, at right back, I have Vederson, Kjokcek Vederson. Um, I really liked him when he played for Fenerbahce. I, I hated how Fenerbahce had a lot of great, uh, great wing backs at the time. Um, I even thought of putting Baroni there, but you know, every time I think of Baroni, I think of you know all those goals he scored against us. And um, you know, I'm not a masochist, um, but I, I put I put Bursaspor Vederson because I, I remember him coming going to Veder, uh, going to Bursaspor after uh, after play, after playing at um, 
Fenerbahce and still being so good. I remember having fond memories of, of, of watching Bursa Sport play, um, you know, an Anadolu team that had um, pretty good players and uh, even even um, came to be champions of the league uh, one day. And uh, Vedersen, the way he attacked, I, I really like uh, offensive uh, offensive wingbacks. Um, so uh, I quite liked watching him. You know, he had a he had a great kick. I remember him scoring a couple of uh, free kick goals. I'm, uh, if I'm not uh, if I'm not incorrect. Um, yeah, long shots. Uh, I, I remember him more from his Angra Sport days even uh, than than Fenerbahce and. and Bursaspor, oddly enough, but uh, he was he was fantastic at Ankara Spor, you know the Osmanlı Spor today, of course. Yeah, he's 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 just such a good player. He's such a nice player to watch, and him becoming him him getting the Turkish uh, nationality, and uh, not being not uh, he didn't play for the national team, did he? Uh, no, the only uh, Brazilians ever played for the national team were uh, what was Aurelio? Uh, yeah. yeah, Aurelio. Aurelio, and, yeah. And then Nobre? you had. No, Nobre didn't. He, he he did have Turkish nationality, and so did Witterson, but they never got a call up. I think. Yeah, okay. We could we could have used them. You know, we all the wing back is hard to find a good wing back. Um, as I said, I I like offensive wing backs. So the other wing back that I have is Roberto Carlos. Um, I believe it pains uh, <laughs> it pains Burak a lot that he can't choose him, because I think that he's one of the best, uh, probably the best wing back that uh, that came to Turkey. He came. Uh, he came a little bit uh, at the tail tail end of his career, but you know, being a young guy that watched him play at Real Madrid, you know, in that in that wonderful Galactico team, and see a player of his stature and of his fame come to Turkey, it was just unbelievable. You know, I, I, obviously, the Turkish league had some pretty good players. You know, we have uh, we we had players like uh, like Haji come to the league, but when I saw Roberto Carlos actually come to Turkey, it was like. It was like uh, you know when you back in the days when you used to play FIFA and uh, Pro Evolution Soccer and you made these ridiculous transfers and you thought like okay this is never <laughs> going to happen. Yeah, it it really felt like that and you know watching him play, watching him just speed on over the left uh, over the left of the pitch and kick the ball, just you know the the whole the whole aura that he had it was just unbelievable to watch and. You know, to to see him end up at fucking Sivaspor as a trainer at the end of his career, it was just, you know, it's it's just wonderful that um, you know it doesn't matter which which teams you played for, the millions that you earned, and just to end at Sivas of all places, it was just hilarious and so great to see. You know, this pretty uh, decent though as a coach there. Yeah, he wasn't really that bad. He wasn't really great, but you know, he wasn't that bad and. It, Generally, really good players don't make don't make pretty uh, don't make uh, uh, good good coaches. So it's it, it's great to see that he actually did pretty well. Um, as for the defending trio, the central defenders, I picked players that I just you know uh, when I when I think of uh, defenders, I think of players like Puyol. I think of players like Maldini. He played a little bit. Uh, he, he he probably was more of a left back, but you know those players that are just. Um, the heart of the squad, mm-hmm. um, those players that are just the the, um, the captains of the team and just you know just putting the lines out on the pitch. You know, um, the first player I thought of was Alpay, Alpay from uh, from from back in his days at Besiktas. Um, I remember watching the Euro qualifiers and 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 the 2002 World Cup, 
and uh, you know those famous scenes of him just shit housing um, <laughs> uh, Beckham and just kicking everybody and just he was just such a no nonsense no nonsense defender, you know. And I I always want my I always like that uh, when you have a defender that is just like a brick wall. That's why I'm why I currently like uh, Miri Demiral a lot. Miri, Miri isn't yeah. as aggressive as Alpa is, but you know just those. You know, Alpay was just a fucking psycho. <laughs> you know? um, Did you know he won the Fair Play Award? Um, what was it to, in Euro two thousand? I think ninety six. Ninety six. Yeah. He didn't foul fucking Goran Vlahovic, and Croatia scored in like the eighty eighth minute. Oh, I remember watching that game? And I was like, fuck. You know, who who cares about the fucking Fair Play Award, man? <laughs> he should have fouled him. Just fouled him. He was, did it all the time in Turkey. Yeah. He yeah, probably. Yeah. He probably thought like, okay, now that I have this, I can just kick everybody, and he just went around kicking everybody. Yeah. But it was just, you know, as I said, I I like it when a when when you know I'm a Turk, so we are emotional peoples, and it's always nice to see emotional defenders and emotional, but in a good way. So no, not not red cards every game, but a, a player that is good and that can uh, you know show it on the pitch also. Um, that's why, for, of all the defenders that we had in the Turkish league, I I, I went ahead and picked Servet Servet Chitin. Um, <laughs> he was, in my opinion, he was a little bit like a like a Gazma. He wasn't the, he wasn't really good on the ball, but he was just the the Turkish prototype of um, ball goes through, players got player doesn't. You know, um, at at his goal straight time, I think he was a pretty pretty good uh, defender. Um, I remember his. Uh, his, his fucking goal against Trabzonspor where he dribbled around like seven players and scored it. It wasn't that Kastra. I just misremember. I can't remember the team that he was on. I hope it wasn't Mersin. <laughs> I think it was fucking Mersin and it was it was like the goal of his It was Eskisher Sport. Ah. Eskisher Sport. It was like a Maradona-esque goal from uh, like a 37-year-old Gitriatic do you guys from sorry to interrupt, but do you guys remember how he was always picking his nose and like snorting, like like blowing out his nose? Like he's always doing something with his nose. Every I mean throughout the entire match, he was like obsessed with his nose and and yeah, the mucus he, coming out of it. He also had a huge nose, but you know the the the, the sight of him, you know, with his with his mustache, with his beard, with his long hair, you know, the, it was just so great to see, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, as I said, he, yeah, he might not be the the the, the greatest uh, defender, but um, I remember he had like an interview uh, where he talked about when Daum went to uh, went to Fenerbahce, um, and and he was like the um, wait did, did and uh, he was he was talking about how um, he didn't play enough or something, but he you know with his broken English that he has. And he pretty much just cursed the uh, cursed the crap out of him, and just <laughs> that way he just he, he was he played the next week, so it, it I guess it helped. And you know stories like that always always bring a smile to my face, um, so that's why I picked him. Um, as for the midfield, um, I picked Pablo Bataja. Um, it was so you know it was so unbelievable to see a player like him. Um, playing the Turkish uh, Turkish uh, um, Super League, he was a player that made you watch um, Bursaspor. You know, it was a player that yeah. probably was in transfer uh, transfer discussions. Like every season that he was in Turkey, that he was going to uh, any of the top four, but he stayed at he stayed at um, Bursaspor. 
and um, that worked out really well for him. You know, he has like a passionate fan base. Um, pretty much all the people in Turkey love him. I, I don't. I don't even think that Beşiktaş fans hate him. Um, no, I think he's. I, I I can only speak for myself, but I thought he was great. Yeah, he's he's pretty much like the not like, as great like as Umut thinks he is, by the way, because Umut uh, has an <laughs> obsession with Pablo Bataja, uh, which I can attest to. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think it's a little bit because he played at, at Bursaspor, you know, a small a, 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 a smaller club, and uh, you know, a player of his stature, it, it always uh, like mystifies a player, you know. Um, I think that if he if he played at a, a top four team, it, it may be a little bit less. But him playing at Borussia and you know his 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 vision, his passing, he could do pretty much everything. You know, he wasn't the tallest guy, but he was he was also pretty physical. You know, he could he could push everyone around the ball. He can he could do whatever he wants on the pitch, and that was that's always great to see. You know, um, to have a, to have a midfielder that's pretty much the boss of the boss of the team. Um, as for the other midfielder that I had, I have two defending midfielders. I have a Guti. From his Besiktas days, um, his transfer was pretty much the same as what I thought about when 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 Robert Carlos came to Turkey. Um, I remember him, you know, uh, the, the the tall um, the tall blonde guy with 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 his long hair, and you know, I, every time I think of Guti, I just think of uh, that one assist that he gave to Benzema when he was playing uh, with Real Madrid. You know, it was when he when he was. Yeah, when he's when he was like one on one with the keeper and he just back heeled it to Benzema, um, to be a player that is so good uh, and so uh, aware of his surroundings and the players that are you know walking walking around on the pitch, it was just unbelievable to see him come to um, come to Besiktas and he came to Besiktas when when Simao and everybody was at Besiktas, wasn't he? Uh, he came the summer of 2010, uh, the same summer as uh, Quaresma, and then Simao and uh, Almeida and Fernandez came uh, the following January. I mean, it was it was just such an unbelievable Besiktas team, you know, to watch. <laughs> yeah, we had the fourth <laughs> or fifth. <laughs> I don't even remember. That was like up until that moment. I I think that was like on paper the best Besiktas team ever, <laughs> and uh, we we uh, we we completely uh, underperformed. But I think the problem was that it was a very top heavy team, and the back line was pretty shit. I mean, I I, I liked how Gucci came into the team and he wasn't like a prima donna. Uh, you know, I don't think there was even news of him like clashing with 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 his uh, with his fellow players. He was just like, okay, this is what you know. Doesn't matter where I came from, what I what I did when I before I came here. He was just always ready to play. You know, he didn't really put up. Um, what you know, he didn't really talk about a lot of shit. He just did what he was asked for. You know. And it's always nice to see a player that came from one of the biggest teams in the world and still has his head on his, uh, you know, on, on his shoulders and he's like down to earth. And um, that team, that that Bishtash team with those atrocious, uh, you know, you, do you remember that grey um, garbage bag oh, j- jerseys yeah. that you had? You uh, know, it was- <laughs> funny story. I have two uh, shirts signed by Guti. Uh, the white shirt and that uh, garbage bag shirt. <laughs> <laughs> you know, even 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 when you had those garbage garbage t-shirts, it it was just unbelievable to still you know watch that team play. Actually, you know, I, I think that shirt looks very nice if you just put it down or you hang it up. But when you put it on, it looks like shit. 
I don't know what it is. It's because it was like reflective material and stuff, I think. But like the the shirt itself doesn't look bad. But as soon as you put it on, it it, it just doesn't. Yeah, it, it's just not good. I don't know why. You're still in denial, man. It's, it's it, it has been like a like ten years. Come on, give up. Um, it has indeed. As for the trio that is uh, in front of uh, Guti and Pablo Bataja, um the, the first player that came to mind when I when I thought about making a team was uh, was Alex. That you know he was he was for a long time the only player at Fenerbahce that I just uh, you know liked at all. Um, I remember him being pretty much the only Fener player that a lot of my relatives and pretty much everyone everyone in Trabzon liked. Um, the way he played, the the way you know just everything about about Alex is just unbelievable. Um, he scored like 300 goals or something stupid. He's, he's, he has scored a lot of goals in his career. Um, he scored a lot of goals as, uh, at um, at Fenerbahce. He scored. He assisted. He just he just did everything, you know. And he was never uh, one to complain. He was never one to pick fights. He was never one to um, to play dirty. He just went on the pitch, did his thing. Um, passed the ball around, scored when needed, just did pretty much everything that uh, that that you could ask from a number ten. You know, um, he, he was a free kick taker. He, he you know he crossed the ball greatly to the, the great to the forwards. You know, he scored when needed. He he, he did pretty much everything, and he was just such a, a such a great player, um, and it was just unbelievable to watch him week in week out. Um, I felt horrible the way he the way he left Fenerbahce, you know, uh, mm. the way he uh, ended his career at Fenerbahce, and I, I I know that a lot of like pretty much all the Fener fans also think that way. Um, but to have a player just uh, embody the Turkish uh, culture, the Turkish language, um, pretty much everything in Turkey for 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 the long stretch of his career that he did, it was just unbelievable. And I remember him. Uh, he played against Turkey before he came to Fenerbahce, I think, or like in the first season that he was at Fener. Confederation Cup, perhaps? Yeah, he scored yeah. against us. Yeah, I remember him scoring and he was just like, you know, it was only his first season. I know that Özer hates it when players do this, but he scored and he wasn't happy at all. And everybody around him was like, come on, dude, you have to be happy. And he was like, nope, nope, that's not what I'm going to do. And, I you know, think by the time he wasn't in Fener at all. You sure? I, I thought he was a, he was at Fener. The Confederation was Cup Fener. was in the summer of two thousand and three. No, two thousand three. Oh, yeah. So okay. uh, I don't oh, yeah, think he, he went to Fener in two thousand five. I think no, two thousand five, uh, two thousand six. Right. Four. No, no, uh, four. Yeah, two thousand four. You're right. Because two thousand three, two thousand four. One year before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like a, a like a month before. Yeah, but I think, you know, Fener were already courting him for quite a while. I remember they were going very aggressively after Alex and then uh, Luis Fabiano at the same time. But obviously Fabiano went to Sevilla, I think. But that was when Fabiano was still at Santos, I think. Santos, right? Might be wrong, but I just remember because I was actually in Turkey that summer uh, and... uh, I think it was, yeah. And my, my cousin, I think I told you guys about him last week. He was like, you know, with his fantastic English. Like, ah, you Fenerbahce want this player. He's great. I don't know why I make him sound like, <laughs> like, like fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger got to the chopper. Yeah, that's not how he speaks. But actually, he is. A, he does have a little bit of a German accent because he li- used to live in Germany a little bit. So perhaps uh, it is what he sounds like. 
<laughs> I hope he doesn't listen to that. Yeah. Um, so as I said, um, just just a great player in in pretty much the whole of his career at, at Fener. I don't think he ever was, uh, you know, in in a big controversial thing. Um, and he was always uh, respectful to the people above, even though they acted and treated him like a dick. Um, so, uh, it, all in all, just a wonderful player and like a one in a one in a million players that will probably come to the league. Um, yeah. I have two wingers, even though I think that one of them didn't even play a lot. Yeah, he did play. He did play in the wing uh, position, but. Uh, pretty much. Uh, no, don't, don't worry about it. I had a Besiktas friend of mine the other day tell me that Ilham Mansus was a right winger. So whatever you're gonna say, <laughs> it's not gonna sound any more retarded than that. <laughs> okay, well, I I, I want I to picked, legit slap him. I picked uh, I picked uh, Wesley Snyder. Um, you know, being a guy that uh, that was born quite a bit. Of yeah. But to, to be a, a guy that was born and raised in the Netherlands and in Rotterdam. Um, Wesley was. Uh, what wasn't know, he? I, isn't he from Utrecht? Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about myself. He is from oh. Utrecht. He's from okay. Utrecht. So it was it was it was really awful to see a player, um, you know, to to watch those Ajax teams with Van der Vaart, mm. uh, Snyder, uh, Slaton, you know, yeah, Mido <laughs> with his unbelievable technique. With um, Hosham. <laughs> it was so unbelievable to see players. Wesley uh, song. You know how Wesley song? Yeah, he was there. I don't remember him at all, yeah, to be yeah. honest. He went to Ajax in 2000. And, wait, he won the league with Henk in 2002-2003, I think. Then he stayed another year. I think he went to Ajax in 2004, last season of Slatan. They played together. Could be, could be. Yeah. Um, you know, but but seeing him develop from, from Ajax, how great he was, um, you know, to go to Real Madrid, to go to Inter... To be that wonderful player that he was with uh, with Mourinho to win, um, you know, the Champions League. Um, be probably uh, he probably he should probably have won the Ballon d'Or um, instead yeah. of uh, instead of Messi. I think it was um, in you know, 2010. Winning, yeah, 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 winning the quintuple and everything, and seeing him come to. The, I I remember thinking when he when he, when he came to uh, to Gosford, I was like ah. You know what? What a bad decision by Gosra. He They paid so much for a player that is like at the end of his career. He was like he was plateauing at the he moment. He was twenty-seven. <laughs> I know, I know, but he was, he was, he was, he was just plateauing at the moment. He didn't do that well yeah, at Inter, and they were going to, you know, spend a boatload of money, and he's going to have like disciplinary issues and this and that. And then he came and just. Unbelievable performances all around. You know, he, yeah. he played so well. Um, you know, it helps that Istanbul is one of the greatest cities to live in in Turkey and in the world. Um, even though he did earn like an unbelievable amount of money, um, he was just such a such a great player to watch. He was he's, he's like a tiny guy, but um, I remember those those goals against Fenerbahce, the one on the right and the one and, and in the same game the one on the left. Um, Having having Volkan just kiss the posts every time, such an unbelievable player to watch. Um, his his goal against Juventus that made uh, that 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 helped uh, Castre go through, uh, you know stuff like that. He was he was he was such an unbelievable set, uh, set piece player. Um, he did whatever what was asked for him. He, he he always was a physical player even back in his uh, in his uh, Ajax times um, and at Inter. Um, 
but he just came into Tur- came to Turkey and just unbelievably performed. And I, you know, it was it was so great to see. I I even think that he could have stayed at Galatasaray for a bit longer, um, but I think it was a pretty good decision by the board to let him go um, because uh, after he left Galatasaray, his 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 performance just went down, um, and uh, he retired like. Last season or the season before that? Yeah, and then like a couple of months later, he put on like forty kilo or something. He looked like yeah, he he, he's, he he's a guy from Utrecht, and um, I watched him um, at one of the games, and he had like a massive belly. So I I think he 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 saw all the Turkish old men, um, you know, walking around in Turkey with with the with the mustache and the and the baklava bellies. But he and has he the, like, the okay. jeans. I think he has bad jeans because even when he was still playing, like he he would put on weight really quickly. And you see that with other guys too, like Eden Hazard. He puts on a lot of weight in in the yeah. vacations too. And I think those are just the types. You know, they just have those those body types. And uh, you know, like for example, uh, the real Ronaldo. Uh, I think he has some weight issues due to the all the cortisone he took as a player. And that's like, I don't know. That has like a, apparently a lasting effect with the retaining a lot of. Uh, of, of water and stuff like that. So maybe, I don't know if uh, Snyder used a lot of that kind of stuff. Maybe he just has bad genes, but, yeah. I thought that uh, Ronaldo's issue was like a medical thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, to do the cortisone, I think he used to take because of the, the injuries, the knee injuries. Umut, you probably know this. You probably read his book. <laughs> Who? Ronaldo, the real one. The original. Ah, I didn't read his book. Who said that? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, on the other wing, I have um, the, the, uh. Mr. Duracell, Mr. Duracell himself. Um, I, I thought for a long time about who to put on the left wing, and for some reason, um, Mehmet Jules because... <laughs> nah, nah. <laughs> no, probably, okay. pro- probably because like I'm, I'm, I'm a fine art guy. To have Dirk Kuyt, you know, yeah. come to Turkey, um, Kuyt was never like one of the best players. Wherever he played, um, he wasn't at Fener, he wasn't at Liverpool. He, he probably was like some sometimes at at, at Feyenoord, but still, um, what I liked, what I still like, and um, what a lot of players, uh, what, what a lot of fans and people at, uh, at, at at any team that he went to liked about him was that he was just uh, was just unbelievable. He could run like ninety minutes, and then if you told him like, "Oh no, we're playing another ninety minutes," he pro- he would probably just keep on running. Um, that's why they call him the Duracell man. He, he he will pretty much fight for everything, for every ball, for every possession. Um, he would he would run like all game every day. Um, you could just have him do whatever you want. I, I think that he is one of the players that you can put on pretty much every position on the field, and he will probably do pretty okay. Um, he won't be he won't be the best at every position, but he will. He's like one of the only players that you could put a left back, right back, midfield, whatever. And he would probably just be all okay if you if you need if you needed someone in the midfield or defenders or whatever. And as I said, um, he, he he never was like the greatest player at whatever team he played. And I think that his greatest power is that he makes other players around him play much better. I think it's it is because he tires out a lot of uh, a lot of defenders and the players that are uh, you know opposing him. So um, he creates a lot of space for for other players on the pitch. Um, he just uh, he just does everything that 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 you would like. You know, he's just such a, 
such a gentleman on the pitch, such a great guy off the pitch. I remember him coming back to Feyenoord after 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 uh, you know the, his seasons at Fener, and you know that wonderful season where Feyenoord won the, won the championship and he had a hat trick in the last game, um, which 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 brought the brought the championship to Feyenoord and it was yeah, and just it was even on the bench all in the the latter part of the season. Eh? Yeah, he didn't he didn't make an issue about anything. Yeah, that's yeah. that's so unbelievable. You know, he's such a class guy. Yeah. Um, He's he's one of the players that you could probably, you know, grow a whole team around if you if you had him at like age of eighteen, nineteen, you know. Um, to end the to end the team, um, I have I had a lot of discussions about uh, who to put at strike <laughs> position. Um, the first the first thought I had was Mario Gomez, but I thought that uh, a couple of guys on the uh, you know a couple of guys here would probably pick him, mm-hmm. so I didn't want to pick him. Then I thought about Nihat. Um, you know the wonderful player, uh, a player that just, you know, his his days at Sociedad, his days with the national team, you know, in the Euros, just unbelievable. But I haven't watched him a lot uh, when he was at Besiktas. Um, he was so a right the, winger more uh, than he was a striker at Besiktas. Yeah? yeah. So a good thing that I didn't choose him. The only play, other player that just came up to me was Abu Bakar. Um, you know, the, the Besiktas guy, just a just a straight up tank you know it's unbelievable that the guy from of his posture and his his build just the things he did on the pitch he just bullied people he scored whenever he needed he was just always on position he he, he went to the right wing when needed he went to the left wing when needed he was such an unbelievable player to watch i remember him um i think it was like a champions league game or europa league game that he was and where he did like the uh, um the flick behind his leg or something mm-hmm. and when i watched it i was like dude you know that shouldn't be able you shouldn't be able to do that you know you're such a big guy um you should be slow you shouldn't be able to dribble the ball like that what the hell are you doing you know and there is a reason that pretty much any uh, like any transfer period there are talks of him coming to fener to to fucking osray to Besiktas, to any team because He's such a such an unbelievable player. I think that that for, uh, like striker wise, he he's probably the best uh, all around player um, that you could have nowadays in Turkey because he's just so strong that he can bully everyone. And, I don't think he's uh, a kill. That he's enough of a. I think he's too um, dependent on on. Uh, I don't know. I think he's a little bit too flaky in the head, so to speak. Like he's he can be amazing. Like when he came back from the Afcon. Uh, he was in amazing form and he was scoring left and right. But like the first half of the season at Besiktas, he had like a real confidence issue. And like I remember when he like played against Rizespor, the, the match where Adriano scored in the fifth minute of at a time. And uh, I think Abu Bakr missed like five or six one hundred percent chances in that match. And I remember Besiktas fans were already writing him off. Uh, but then of course he had that amazing second half of the season. Yeah, it's just you know, it's just an unbelievable period to watch. I, how old is he even nowadays? He, I don't think he's even that 27, old. Twenty seven, twenty eight, something like that. He, but he, he looks, has uh, he has knee issues. Oh well, he looks like he's like thirty eight years old, but he's as you said, he's like twenty eight years old. What are you talking um, about? He is one of the youngest looking Africans I've ever seen. He looks like a little baby. Nah, I think he looks old as old no, as balls. Oh no, no. Like yeah, you can see that about yeah. a lot of African players that they look older than they are, but Abu Bakr to me just looks like a kid, like a yeah. happy kid. 
in a candy store. He he had a hard youth if he if he looks that that way. You know? um, but um, all in all, as I said, a uh, uh, difficult choice for me for for the whole team in general and the striker position. Um, and if if I had to choose like a captain for the team, it it would probably be just it had to be Alex. You know, um, I think that it, you know. Character-wise, I think that he's, he's just like one of the perfect players, and um, I'm quite happy with the team. I'm, I'm really, I'm really happy with the team. Okay, cool. Thank you for sharing. And uh, Umut, let's uh, move on to your team then. All right, here we go. Uh, let me start with my goalkeeper, who is the uh, older, former Sweden international goalkeeper Andreas Isaksson, uh, who came in the years, uh, if I'm not mistaken, around in uh, 2011. Uh, yeah, same time with uh, Donk, Babel, uh, like an amazing team, Skarione, Kasim Pasha had like such yeah. a start at the t- team, really. Yeah, they had a great uh, money budget uh, in those days. Uh, right now they are like in a deep hole uh, because uh, uh, most of the teams in Turkish league are uh, in a bad shape in terms of speaking of money. Uh, but in that uh, years, uh, Andrzej Sexton uh, was seen as a you know impossible transfer to be made by an Anatolian team. Uh, but uh, when I'm saying an Anatolian team, I know the Kasim Pasha is different uh, than the other teams uh, uh, in the manner of you know money issues because uh, at the time uh, they were allowed to use the you know government's uh, allowance uh, in those budgets. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, along with the Istanbul Büyükşehir Belediye now Başakşehir. Uh, so, like, there were two, uh, you know, different clubs in Turkey history, uh, I remember, uh, that can, you know, ex- uh, you know, spend money uh, as their own will. Uh, so... The taxpayers. Down. Yeah, yeah, it could be. So, under Sisekson, uh, was a, like, surprising transfer for, the, for a team of uh, that caliber, but... Mm-hmm. He played really well in that uh, league, uh, yeah. and uh, we know him uh, from his World Cup days and uh, uh, in the national in, uh, international games uh, with the Sweden national team yeah, for PSV. He played for PSV. Yeah, and, he play and the Man league? City. Yeah, Man yeah. City as well. Uh, he has uh, has a great career, and to see him in a in our league was a. Yeah surprising event uh, and he did pretty well actually and so that's why I selected him and uh, it's in a, a similar manner how Burak did as well to uh, give a space to the Uch Bükler or Dirk Bükler mm. alongside the outfield players yeah, to yeah, yeah. save it from the goalkeeper so I selected like, uh, Andreas Isaksson for that manner uh, for my left back uh, it's kind of obvious to uh, pick the world class, the maybe the best uh, left back in the history, Roberto Carlos. Uh, uh, I know uh, you also uh, talked about him uh, pretty much. Uh, he did pretty well in the uh, World Cup 2002, uh, where oh, he slightly. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> what? That amazing! Wasn't that where he scored that amazing free kick? 
No, it was in 1998, I believe. So, hmm. uh, yeah, uh, uh, in that, uh, it was against France, and the goalkeeper was the famous <coughs> Fabien Barthez. Uh, he twisted the ball that, uh, you know, spin it with banana the, shot. Yeah, banana shot with his outside of his left boot, which is a great curve uh, that maybe we couldn't see it anymore in these days because you know at those times the ball was quite different from the nowadays uh, you know i think it was heavier and it gave it the ability to uh, you know curve it a little bit better better than how it's uh, right now because uh, right now his ball is uh, some kind of more rubbery uh, so uh, you can kick it uh, pretty ha- uh, like hard but uh, when you when it comes to spin it and give it that kind of a bend, uh, it was like uh, more probable in those times. Uh, right now, you can give it co uh, again, but you know uh, I couldn't express it in my words. But uh, in the ball physics, the uh, yeah, yeah the, no physics, no physics. It would come on. Yeah, you know <laughs> people are turning their podcast off. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the ball was different. So uh, we we seen uh, the greatest free kick ever, maybe. And yeah, yeah, yeah. but I remember Roberto Carlos's uh, bad days in the World Cup 2006, where he uh, faced against uh, the hmm. uh, Zidane's France in the uh, it was semi-finals, yeah, uh, semi-finals, and he left. Thierry Henry alone in the box where he was uh, marking him and France scored against Brazil to win the uh, game to uh, uh, qualify for the final game and that was uh, when you see from the replays uh, a deliberate error from the uh, left back Roberto Carlos I I don't really know why he left uh, Thierry Henry his man uh, alone in the box to give a clear shot on goal uh, I still to this day I don't understand why he did that but uh, it doesn't uh, change anything from his quality of his game uh, he will ever be the best left back uh, we have ever seen so far so coming back to my left uh, uh, center back uh, it was not a, a probable center back uh, I put him because I kind of uh, think about how to you know uh, change the uh, you know a variety in the team and I put Dede the left back uh, as a center back in my team uh, oh, a Dortmund legend yeah which we can he- remember him within uh, his uh, Dortmund days with the legends uh, alongside uh, uh, with him uh, which was uh, Jan Koller you know uh, Anderlecht legend too yeah Jan Koller and it was uh, what was his name uh, the a Czech legend as well, um, Rosicki. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rosicki. Yeah, Rosicki. Yeah, it, it was a brilliant uh, uh, Borussia Dortmund team. Uh, uh, the goalkeeper was at that time was uh, Jens Lehmann as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. Dan went to and, Arsenal. Uh, Ma- Mateus, Mateus was still in the centre back, I think, uh, in the early 2000s. Yeah, could be. Yeah, mm-hmm. because of my, I don't. 
uh, trace it really well, but uh, as far as I remember, it was a great Borussia Dortmund team that got the title at those days. Lost uh, the UEFA Cup uh, to Feyenoord, Pierre van Hoijdonk's Feyenoord in the, the UEFA Cup final yeah. in 2002. Yeah, and also uh, Galatasaray faced that uh, Dortmund back in uh, the UEFA Cup run in 2000, where Haji scored an awesome goal uh, against Jens Lehmann. Uh, that, yeah, that was before Jan Koller, huh? Yeah, I think Jan Koller was on no. that team. Uh, no, Jan Koller was in Anderlecht in 2000. All oh, right. Uh, so I picked Dede, and uh, within his Eskishir's four days, uh, he played really well, and he was quite a bit set-piece taker uh, on his talent. In you could see him bending really good with his left boot and uh, his great long shots uh, as a threat to the uh, uh, opposition goalkeepers. He has a great uh, talent on his boot, so I put him in a centre-back. It was obvious that I couldn't put Roberto Carlos in the centre-back, so uh, I sacrificed Dede in here, but uh, this team could use his you know, build-up talent uh, from the back. And his partner is the Lugano, Diego Lugano, the Uruguayan captain and the uh, you know that aggressive uh, uh, centre back, which uh, is a, also a goal threat to the team. Any team he plays for, you know, he always goes to the uh, set pieces uh, and with his great headers, uh, scoring goals. Like uh, in his Fenerbahce days, he scored like uh, you know ten or. Uh, 11 goals in a single year as a centre-back, which is quite amazing uh, to see from a centre-back. Uh, he's a lethal threat uh, uh, for the opposition players. And had great hair. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I always remember him, uh, you know, holding that rucker, uh, shishesi, rucker bottle in the derby, uh, what, uh, which was thrown by uh, Galatasaray fans to the pitch. Uh, and he was holding that to the referee and, like, uh, you know, arguing about it. Like, this has been thrown at us. What are we going to do about it? And the ref didn't do anything. But it was that, uh, you know, moment <laughs> that he was like an alcoholic, like drunk man holding that rucker bottle. Yeah, and, and he had that amazing uh, psychotic stare yeah. where his eyes would almost pop out of the skull yeah. and he could just, like, you know, kill someone just by looking at them. It was amazing. Yeah, also, uh, from what I remember, Mustara always calls him uh, as an idol, uh, not like a idol for his, like, position, but as a characteristic, uh, idol for his characteristic from the Uruguayan national team. He always respected him. Uh, he's a great character. It's kind of unfortunate he went to Paris Saint-Germain after Fenerbahce and his career was almost like uh, going downwards afterwards. Mm. Uh, yeah. Uh, for my right back, uh, I preferred Cicinho as the rest of the guys. Uh, so not much to say about him. He, you know, he's a great uh, talent uh, from Roma and Brazilian national team. And he did pretty well for our league with his, you know, mm, he had brilliant goals and I... The only goal I remember, I think, was the uh, free kick he took against Fenerbahce, which a tight angle goal. Like nobody even became aware after uh, that moment. Like it was a goal because 
everybody thought the ball was like outside of the net, but it suddenly went in, and Volkan, the Demiral didn't do anything about it. Like it was a like an interesting goal to see live. Uh, and and Sivaspor seems to have a little bit of a tradition with a good Brazilian uh, fullbacks now. Uh, what they had in recent years, uh, of course, like you just said, mm -hmm. uh, Cicinho, uh, Douglas, and now they have um, what's his name again? Marcos? No, not Marcos. Uh, uh I don't remember. <laughs> no, but he's good. He's, he's yeah. good. And he's Brazilian too. <laughs> yeah, and also uh, I think it's kind of the Roberto Carlos's, uh, you know, at the manager uh, uh, chair. He's it was kind of his influence uh, to urge Cicinho uh, to come here in Turkey to play for uh, Sivaspor at the time because I don't think yeah, anything other could persuade him to come here from all the way down from Brazil. Uh, so, uh, so either Roberto Carlos uh, as a player and as a manager uh, was a great influence in the Super League. Uh, so. For my uh, midfield, I picked as a like uh, you know uh, what we call register uh, as Guti Hernandez uh, from the uh, Besiktas team, uh, where as you said before the uh, Yildizlar uh, Karmas, which is a, a great team, but didn't have the success at the end, uh, which is unfortunate for Yildirim Demiroran times. Uh, but he was, as a player, was a great master, and it was kind of really hard to play in that, uh, you know, what you call, uh, what was the uh, nickname of that Real Madrid team uh, at the Galacticos. time? Galacticos. Yeah, El Galacticos. Uh, Los Galacticos, was it? Los yeah. Galacticos team. It was quite hard to play in that midfield, and he managed to do that uh, alongside with Figo, uh, Zidane. Zidane, Beckham. Uh, and what was it? Makalele. Maybe Makalele, maybe Thomas Graveson. Uh, and afterwards, uh, there were like. Graveson was like, you know. Yeah, Kaka as well uh, came to uh, the. Yeah, yeah. yeah Raul, uh, maybe. So he played there for such a long time. He became an icon there, but like never this type of player, but like he is the mastermind all the behind. So. Yeah, him and Raul were like the homegrown heroes that yeah. still stood out in that uh, yeah. team of, of world Yeah, stars. and I really admire his vision and his left foot. You know, like he has all the eyes on the field and the vision was so immense that, uh, you know, you became jealous of what he does on the field. Uh, yeah, like everybody like wishes to become like him, but like... He is a quite a talent to see him, so I put him in my, uh, uh, you know, center defensive midfield, but not as a, not as a defensive role, but as a like a register uh, player. I feel like you guys put way too much thought into the tactics of your team. Yeah. Like, I just put some, some some names in there, and I'm yeah. gonna do some uh, changes by the way, because yeah, otherwise we're gonna have too many similar names. Yeah, like so, uh, we're a generation that. Reward with the manager games, you know. So yeah, championship uh, manager. Yeah, yeah football. So uh, for my midfield uh, on the left side, I picked Yusuf Shimshek, the brilliant dribbler under Turkish football, uh, and he played in Fenerbahce, Denizlispor, and afterwards uh, Besiktas. Which and Bursaspor, right? 
yeah, Bursa Sport as well. Uh, but I remember him mostly uh, from the his uh, goal against Galatasaray. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, yeah, okay. I remember him as well. But uh, the days in his Dennis Sport days was like the yeah. Yeah, different days. You know, he was the leader of that team. Like uh, you know, uh, leader of the small club. He, he gave kind that of thing. that team flavor. Yeah. Yeah. Like what we talked about last week, like the colorful figures that really... Uh, and then another name that popped to my mind after we start, stopped recording was like a guy like Erkan Zengin when he was at Eskishir Spor. He, mm-hmm. I think you can compare Yusuf mm-hmm. at Denizli Spor to that. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, that kind of an, uh, thing uh, we can say. Uh, so I really admire his talent and it was really, really uh, exciting to watch him live. And he was like a leader, an influential figure on the field. Like, uh, and we can say he's the one of the best dribblers ever came into Turkish football uh, as a yardli player, as a mm. you know local player. You know, uh, you can say maybe Sargen is the one. You know, uh, Tugay can be the one, Emre can be the one, but Yusuf was some kind of a different flavor. You know, he is so agile on the ball and so effortless in these yeah, yeah. dribbling movements. Jay, like, Jay, Jay, Jay Hoon was decent at that too. I yeah, Jay Hoon Erich. Yeah, I always felt he, he was like a little underrated and I really liked him at Trabzonspor for that. What was it uh, when you had that, that Cypriot Turk? Uh, Who? The, the bald one that used to play in England too in Trabzonspor. Um, Oh, Umer Reza. Umer Reza, right, right. I, oh. I, I really liked Umer Reza. Yeah. yeah, but, you know, Yusuf Shimshek was like the uh, figure, like, which we can claim him as a, like, Yuriyerek Adam Gecan, which we can tell, uh, like, he's, like, dribbling yeah. with walking, like, just, like, by walking. Like, yeah, he yeah, has yeah. plays just by walking on the field. And he scored a goal against Galatasaray like that. Like, mm. as... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which I call. Uh, he just dribbled around our players and then he passed our goalkeeper and just scored it from a tight angle. But, like, he, even though he scored against us too many times and he scored against us when he was in Denizpor as well from a mistake by Mondragon, he just punched it outside of the box and he just volleyed it from that, uh, you know, distance. Scored well, you have to be us. some sort of autistic to remember all that. <laughs> mm, yeah. Could be. <laughs> he also <laughs> has some goals in the UEFA Cup round uh, back in his Genshta uh, Bili or Gaziantep. He wasn't uh, either uh, one of them. Never played for Genshta I think. So, Gaziantep? Uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe? Could be Gaziantep. Uh, he scored against uh, Parma or some team like that in uh, group stages of UEFA Cup. Uh, I, I can't remember also. So, yeah, I watched it some time ago, uh, so I'm not quite certain. So, the other player I have in the midfield is my guy. My guy, Pablo Martin Batasha. The uh, <laughs> brilliant Argentine guy uh, who was the leader of that title holder team, uh, Bursa Sport, back in 2010. He, he what? Uh, yeah. 2010 uh, yeah they were the champions of the turkish league after too many years before uh, after trabzonspor came coming from the anatolian side so um so he was the brain he was the uh, legend he was the master of that team and he even uh 
did his great to be the champions of that team uh, alongside with the brainless fools like Volkan Shen and Sarjan Yildirim <laughs> like uh, he they which didn't have any talent uh, other than running around with I such pace. I think Volkan had talent. I mean, he wasn't—he <laughs> was definitely a little bit of a headless chicken at times. But you can't say that he, technically he definitely was talented. Could be, but never. Uh, none of them had the end product at the end. Like, I don't know how he managed to do that on his own there. And I respect Arthur Solomon as well for his. Uh, you know, uh, encouragement on the team to make those guys, you know, determined on the field because it's really hard for, like, those kind of players doesn't have any ambition, you know? They just run around. I don't know how do I call it, but uh, you you might get my point. Yeah, yeah, could be. Yeah, discipline. So, uh, Batasha, uh, despite of his height, he had too many had a goals and he was like immense on air and he already has two had a goals against Fenerbahce one in the game of the uh, their championship run back in 2010 in Shukru Sarajolu where they were like 2-0 back at the time to come back from that 2-0 to 3-2 uh, at the end and he scored the first goal that bring up that flame uh, at the time of that game. And he was such a great leader. And I think he's one of the best uh, uh, players ever came to the Anatolian teams uh, in the recent yeah. times. No doubt, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the other player alongside him in the midfield is the Alex de Souza, the legend, the greatest player. Uh, could be player with the Haji. Uh, yeah. uh, I don't. I don't want to compare them uh, because that will be a uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's difficult for us, I think, because we didn't really watch Haji in his heyday, like like uh, Burak did. Yeah, um, but, but yeah. we witnessed Alex de Souza and his Alex prime, and uh, uh, watching him live was a different thing. You know, it was a privilege, and his game with the five goal. Uh, against Ankara Gücü that ended uh, 6-1 or 6-0 uh, he scored 5 goals and like 1 from free kick like 2 or 3 from the penalties and 1 well, is was a... that the season that he became top scorer with like 27 goals yeah he, he was uh, 11 I think 2011 um, yeah it's possible Burak no Easy. No. What, was that? No. what was that sorry uh, the season that uh, Alex scored five in a in a game was that uh, when he was top scorer with twenty seven goals. Yes, I th- I think that that was a five against Ankara Gücü, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that might have been two thousand thirteen. No, not two thousand thirteen. Eleven. Yes, I think wasn't that the championship winning season or the one yeah. after? Yeah, like it was like the weeks before the championship, like uh, three or four weeks yeah, before. No. <laughs> It yeah. was not. Yeah, yeah that was yeah. the fun. Where were you, Jakub? I'm just choosing to not engage in this. You know, in these hard times. Yeah. We're we here to entertain. You have to. Uh, you have to do it for the benefit of the listeners. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. You were. We were going to do a separate episode with this. So yeah, yeah, that? that's true. That's true. We still have to uh, bring uh, Buak up to speed on that. But that'll be for the VIPs. 
Yeah. No? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, continue, uh, Umut. You, yeah. uh, Alex, so who, who's next? Yeah, so uh, the next is, uh, I was really unsure to pick it from uh, Yatara or Gökteniz or Miroslav Shimkoyak, and I end up with Gökteniz Karadeniz, the uh, Trabzonspor legend and then Rubin Kazan legend. Uh, yeah. You know, he. You remember, he also scored against Barcelona in the champion. Yeah. yeah, and they won one too. Yeah, which was a great game in his name, and he was like a you know wonder kid in his earlier times back in like two thousand and one, two thousand and two. Uh, he was like a you know tiny man with uh, so much pace and agility, like he can dribble around. You know, we talked about Yusuf Shimshek. Uh, not long ago, but he was different kind of an agile player, like like Messi esque, yeah, Messi esque yeah. yeah, player. Right now, uh, Abdul Kadir Umur has that kind of, uh, uh, you know, very, very elusive. Uh, yeah, you know, just you can't keep him contained. He yeah. slips around you. Yeah. yeah, so he also had that talent of like passing and shooting uh, alongside his dribbling abilities, and he was a speed. Yeah, speed. Really, really speedy. Yeah. Uh, So he was really, really a lethal weapon in that Trabzonspor era, uh, alongside with his uh, partner, Ibrahim. Too old for this shit. Yeah, Yatara and Fatih Tekke at the time. So whoever gets that, you win a prize. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I remember his goals against us. Uh, It was kind of you know heartbreaking to see him score against us and. He was a really a threat. Uh, every game he played against Fenerbahce or Galatasaray uh, in that Trabzonspor shirt, and you know, you could say that he became too ambitious and too eager to score against those big games. He's that man of those big games uh, in that Trabzonspor shirt. Then he went to Rubin Kazan, and we kind of you know uh, lost his trace a bit because don't uh, follow a uh, Russian league too often uh, so he was quite uh, great to uh, see him play in this Turkish Super League uh, he kind of like uh, uh, was a member of that team in the Euro 2008 run uh, that tra- uh, got, uh, Turkey got eliminated in the semi-finals I, I felt that that him and Tunjai for a while those two were like the the, the perfect spots yeah, but they were like for me at a, at a point. Gugdenis and Tunjay were both like the the bright spots in the Turkish national team because we had like a dry, a, a poor run uh, in the mid two thousands, and I felt like those two um, were really the guys that we had to look for for the mm-hmm. future. And 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 for some reason, Gugdenis I felt always did really well for the national team, but then at at one point just stopped getting called up. I, I don't know what what happened there. It had maybe, maybe it was quite uh, about the gambling thing that he uh, left yeah, but Turkey was he, there uh, as well. Did he have legal issues with that? Or what was the reason there? I, I don't really know because I mean mm-hmm. I felt like his his international career ended way too soon. Yeah, both, yeah. both him and Fatih had issues with uh, with Fatih Terim. Hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Never, never really was clear what the issues were, but they had some issues. I, I think it was it, it was the way he chose the teams, but um, as I said, never was really clear. But they, they definitely had. If issues. you if you're insinuating he if Artem chose Galatasaray players more than 
he does about the other ones. But I would say Umit Karan hates Fatirim as well in that manner because he didn't get chosen because uh, Fatirim obviously uh, kept choosing Nihat Kahveji and uh, you know uh, Halil Altuntop kind of players from outside of Turkey. Well, can the- you argue choosing Nihat in that point? I mean, Nihat was you know the best performing Turk uh, abroad ever. Yeah, 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 guy, I, I, so. I know. But, you know, uh, as a second player or a third player, uh, you, mm. you could uh, choose yeah, the it, player who that Umut, scored uh, like... That Umit never uh, had uh, that, that career for Turkey. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, there's so, a couple of those omissions like Fatih Teke, uh, Umit Karan, uh, you know, those types of guys that they never really had a big Turkey career. Yeah. But then when I'm, I'm coming to think of it, did Arif have... Well, I guess he... Yeah, I guess he was there in the... 2002 World Cup and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, when I think about Gökdeniz, I re- always remember the my father's code. Like, uh, we were against... Uh, it was Switzerland uh, in that uh, game, yeah? Uh, in the Euro 2008 second game, yeah. where yeah. Ardo Turan scored the winner. Uh, Gökdeniz uh, came in as a sub, uh, and the pitch is all wet, and my dad screaming at Gökdeniz like, Hey, it's like Trabzon, all wet in here. Like, play again. Play your game. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's... Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a, a really weird moment for me. Like, uh, my dad's view on Gökdeniz is that. <laughs> so... Uh, I think uh, we could uh, we could probably do a whole podcast on weird dad moments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so my last player is the same as the other one uh, other guys as you uh, Maria Gomez the cha-cha the mm. German tank German you know okay. scorer okay I'm gonna put this out there who is the greatest foreign striker ever to come to Turkey Jardel Jardel Gomez yeah, Jardel. Um, who else is there who do you who do you guys would you guys pick so you pick Jardel yeah Okay, that's uh, hmm. I don't know about that one. Did he ever win the Champions League? Who? <laughs> I said, did he ever win the Champions League? Wait, I don't no. think so because you no, know, no. uh, he's like he didn't play for the big clubs at the time, so I don't know why. He's like the one of the biggest threats in, inside, the, yeah, inside the box as a like a player in the history. Like he's like that fox in the box, like. Mm. You just send the ball to him, he just scores. Yeah, yeah like, I don't know why uh, he didn't get to play against, like, because of his nationality, maybe. Uh, and he uh, had a porn star... Uh, wife. Porn star wife, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so, Burak and Jakub, who was the, who was the greatest, in your opinions? <laughs> Icardi. <laughs> in Turkey, obviously. Foreign I mean, striker... The, the... The season they had in Turkey, or generally, because if if you talk generally, it has. Yeah, I think you know generally, and also kind of the impact they had. I guess would be fair. Uh, I mean, generally, it probably is um, Drogba or but... Eto. Mm, yeah, I think it's Eto actually. Yeah. If yeah. you go on on pure career, but let's 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 just say what they did in Turkey. Um, just to be a dick, Shotar Valatze. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I was watching a, a match. Did I link that one? Uh, the 
you know, the the Besiktas Trabzonspor match from t- 1995, 1996. Yeah, I watched it like uh, in YouTube uh, sometime yeah, 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 as well. F- fantastic uh, new, well, relatively new channel which has this amazing old school stuff. I'm watching one or two games every every day when I wake up or when I go to sleep. I'm watching a summary and I'm watching all these European matches and stuff. It's it's great to reminisce. Um, yeah, what's that YouTube channel called? We should probably give them a shout out because yeah. it's, you have to follow it. Um, yeah. I'm just quickly checking my feed if it's up there. Also, we oh, have to ask that uh, Brock uh, for the, you know, what's the difference between Archil and Shota mainly at those times? Football uh, colleague, by the way, on yeah. YouTube. Go go give them a sub. They're amazing. Yeah. They have uh, yeah, amazing stuff. So, uh, what, what was your question for Burak? Uh, the difference between Shota and Archil, his brother, twin. Ah, okay. <laughs> from what I've heard, from like pretty much all the guys um, at the village where my parents are from. <laughs> um, no, but they, you know, you know, just to be, you know, just to be clear, because they watch those guys. Yeah. Um, the 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 overwhelming thought was that Archil was actually the better player, but he had a lot of injury issues. Uh-huh. Um, so he never, he, he was, he was never the player that he could have been when he was healthy. He was really unbelievable. But, um, as I said, he was just injured all the time. On the did other he hand, end up, uh, where, where did he end up go- playing then? Yeah, that's they... what I was going to say. On the other hand, hmm. Shota had like an unbelievable career at Ajax, Ajax yeah. Rangers, pretty much everywhere. Um, I don't even think that Archer really went anywhere. Um, are you surprised that Shota never came back as a player? Um, nah, you know, he, he just, after he left Trabzon, he, 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 he just became way too good. Um, even, mm. even, you know, he, even a season at, uh, at AZ. I um, think he, that yeah. he went and came back, then went again. Aren't you? Mm. Uh, no, uh, Shota, Shota. No, uh, uh, Shota. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, I think he, he, he was, once he came on a loan, uh-huh. um, and then he went, uh, he, he went back to, I think he was at Dinamo Tbilisi. Um, then he went back and uh, they they bought him then. So first he came as uh, as a loan, mm-hmm. 18 games, 15 goals, Ooh. and then they, they bought him. Wow. But after he left us, he, he played at Ajax, Rangers, AZ, yeah. and he always scored did, at least Did 35. he win the league with AZ? Because that was the time that AZ was building up, right? And uh, Stan Huizgams, I think, was he there too at the time? Yeah, um, um, from no. Singer's transfer mark page, he has won a uh, Netherlands championship. That was probably with Ajax. Uh, Ajax, I guess. Although yeah. that was no, really because... the dominant, that was a dominant period of PSV. So I'm not sure if Ajax won the title in those years. So it might have been with AZ, but I'm not sure. He's beat mm. Ajax Amsterdam back in 19 uh, in 98. Yeah, 98 and the and the Baker, so the the cup in 98 yeah. okay. and 99. He also has two Scotland championships as well. With the Rangers, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you want to add anything to... Uh, to... Oh, wait, actually. Uh, so, you're, you said, uh, Jakub, you said... Uh, what did you say? Who was the, the best foreign striker? Shota <laughs> Um and, and what do you think, Burak? Uh, who is the best foreign striker ever to grace the Turkish pitches with his presence? Uh, Pierre van Hoydonk. Came in January, won two championships, left. Did his job. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jada was like quite similar. He didn't win a title, but he just took one Super Cup and 
drag us to the quarterfinals in the Champions League. Okay. Well, I think it's obviously Mario Gomez. Ah, um, no. Yeah, it has to be. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, uh, let's, I'm, I'm just quickly going to run down uh, my team uh, before uh, I think we're going a little long otherwise. Uh, but, uh, Burke, if you want to add something, please go ahead. I was just going to say uh, honorable mention to Nicholas and Elka as well. Yeah. yeah, I actually considered him for my team. Anyway, I did make a couple of amendments because I do feel like you bastards stole half my team when I posted it in a group chat yesterday. I should not have done that because I don't think any of you had Cicino in your team and suddenly all of you had him. You bastards. No, I have it <laughs> at the start. Yeah, thanks yeah, for the tip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, so I made some changes. So originally I went with Farid Mondragon because I really I really thought that uh, in goal, obviously. I, I always love a goalkeeper a tall intimidating goalkeeper so like Mondragon really had that he had that aura around him Volkan obviously had that as well like he was tall intimidating I think those are the best goalkeepers uh the guys that you know just instill fear in their opponents you know the guy like Tolga Zengin who looks like uh, a wet towel is not going to stop a penalty because he looks like a wet fucking towel anyway uh so originally I had a uh, I had Mondragon, but I made some changes because uh, Mondragon was already mentioned tw- twice, I think. Uh, no, what? Once by Jakub, I guess. But so I, I went with somebody that nobody picked, and that's Omer Chatkic. Obviously, I've I've spoken about it in the past. I have. I Whoa, always liked him. Fucking hell, man! Stop oh, that always... bald head. <laughs> No, Don't no, I always, I always loved him because he was such an eccentric goalkeeper. He just stood out with his white shoes, his bald head, um, his, his socks pulled up. He's not as good as knees. as you think he is. <laughs> I'm not saying he is. I'm just picking him because uh, I have fond memories of him. And then uh, because everyone here seems to uh, go with Roberto Carlos, I made a change there because I originally obviously had him because uh, he's simply the best left back. Uh, after Adriano Correa, of course, to have ever played in Turkey. Um, but uh, no, I'm going to go with Umit Uzat. And we spoke about him uh, a little bit last <laughs> week. But I, hey, don't laugh. Umit Uzat was actually really good. And, you know, like we spoke about last week with his right foot cutting in on the left back position. He got so many assists. He was really good. Plus, I mean, um, I think he, you know, just was a interesting guy to watch uh, with his crooked eyes and um, his never shaven look. Like he looked like he hadn't washed in two or three weeks. But yeah, no, good, 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 good play. I liked him. Um, yeah. Anyway, so uh, then I was originally gonna go with Diego Lugano for obvious reasons. I think he is probably the best center back. I've personally seen in Turkey besides Pepe, I want to say, and maybe Ufaluzi. Yeah. Um, but Diego Lugano was, was really good. Um, but because he was already picked twice, I'm going to go with Fabio Luciano. Um, wait, just... wait, wait. Which team Mwah. did you pick Beautiful. from? Uh, sorry? Which team did you pick Ömer Chatkic from? Gaziantep Sport. Gaziantep Sport. Yeah, so Umit Uzat from Fenerbahce, then Fabio Luciano from Fenerbahce. Um, just, you know, I mean, he came in, when he came in, he was good. I felt like he was really good. He came from Brazil, obviously. Um, I felt like when he was there for like one or two seasons, like Fenerbahce fans were 
getting a little annoyed by some of his deficiencies, and obviously then they, they got Lugano, which was a major upgrade. But for that first season, when Fener won the title, uh, Luciano was really a big impact, scored a lot of goals too. I remember him scoring, uh, what was it, an overhead kick against Besiktas in that 3-4 in Kadikoy, uh, which was uh, a fantastic goal, and, and fortunately uh, they did not, uh, it did not uh, inspire a, a comeback, because we obviously won that match. But uh, Luciano, great... Um, threat in the air and uh yeah he was a fun player in that uh, mid 2000s Fenerbahce side that had a lot of very good Brazilians um then uh El Saka Abdelkader El Saka from Genshterbili is my second uh, center back again someone we spoke about last week I always really liked him I was a really good central defender hard defender uh bone crunching at times too got a lot of red cards in his career but he was really good um and I never really understood why he didn't get a run at a bigger team um because he was uh, I think for Five, six, seven years, maybe one of the better central defenders in the league. I felt like okay. Then at right back, I went for another against Terribly player uh, again because I uh, changed things up a little bit because of otherwise we're just all gonna have the same teams. And that's uh, Philip Dams or Deems, like uh, they used to say in uh, Turkey. Um, and again, a player we mentioned last week, uh, fantastic against Terribly. A real hard worker um, and a model professional went on to have a great career in Germany in the Bundesliga with Borussia Mönchengladbach. Uh, I never understood why at the time he did not get a call up for the national team. I think that at the time Belgium, uh, he would have been a starter for Belgium for sure in my opinion back then. He was just really good. Um, then one player that I just couldn't go around that other pl- people have mentioned is uh, Ibrahim Ayatara, but like I said, you know, uh, for me, kind of the Ronaldinho of the Super League, fantastic player, stood out as well. I always liked a little bit, you know, the eccentric look he had, uh, his blonde hair, his his uh, very thin blonde beard and just fantastic skill on the ball free kicks crosses fantastic crosses actually um and uh, yeah fantastic player in general in that uh, mid-2000s Trabzonspor side that were very unfortunate that Fenerbahce were as good as they were because I do really think that that side also deserved a, a title because they were it's it's a shame that a team like that that was that good uh never really won anything of note apart from maybe a Turkish cup but you know you know who remembers that uh and then obviously Alex for me uh besides Sergen the best player I think I ever watched in the Turkish league um cuz like I said you know Haji that's kind of before my time like he retired in uh, I guess when Galatasaray won the UEFA cup so 2000 at the end of that season so no I one really year only... afterwards Really? Oh, okay. But I, I really only... Ca- ca- I started, like, religiously watching, like, 2001-2002, when Luchescu was at Galtzrai. So, um, yeah, uh, I kind of missed that. So, for me, Alex was just the greatest, besides Sergen. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it's just one of those players, you know, like, he played for your rival, but I never, ever had a feeling of hatred or anything, or even envy, because he was just so good... And you just enjoyed it, you know? Because even when it was Fenerbahce winning, which was not fun, but still, Alex was just so amazing. And you couldn't hate him because he was so classy. Uh, and like Jakub said, I think, don't think he ever really did much. I mean, I, I remember a couple of videos 
of him stomping on someone's leg, but I can understand uh, him probably because he got kicked uh, quite a bit. Um, just a fantastic player, and uh, yeah, he had everything I think, and uh, the type of player that we will, yeah, once in a generation. I don't think we'll see that anytime soon again, especially not now with the current financial state of uh, Turkish clubs. Uh, and then I made another switch in my midfield. Um, I originally had um, I, I, Bataja, but because he was already uh, mentioned twice, I actually went with someone out of uh, left field, and that's Ergun Penbe. I could have put him at left back, obviously, or Whoa. right back. Uh, but I... I always liked Ergun, uh, and when Burak was talking about Tugai earlier, you know, the versatility that Tugai offered, and I always felt like Ergun had that too. And you uh, he... didn't pick Emre? No, because er- Emre is a bastard, and <laughs> Ergun is classy. Uh, no, Ergun, I, I mean, he was one of those gentlemen in Turkish football, you know, and I, and I, I think you have a couple of those guys that were always classy above everything else and I felt like Ergun was one of those players uh, Shifo Mehmet comes to mind too but Ergun um, yeah very good versatile player and I feel like he never gets the recognition that he deserves uh, because we're always talking about Tugay we're talking about Emre Sergen uh, you know those types of players but Ergun doesn't get mentioned enough so that's why I felt I had to put him in there uh, and then at right midfield, I put uh, Gugdenis Karadinis. Um, yeah, for obvious reasons. We meant, we talked about it before. He was just such a great player. And even though I'm a Besiktas fan, I always hoped that he would come back to Turkey to finish his career out at Trabzonspor. And uh, when he retired, I think he was like 38 or so at Rubin Kazan. Uh, it's only a couple of years ago. I, I was quite sad that he didn't come back for that one last season with Trabzonspor. Um, but I wasn't really quite aware of his uh, gambling issues because <laughs> I don't, I, you know, I, back in the 2000s, I really didn't follow anything uh, off the pitch, so to speak, you know, like the extra sportive stuff. So, uh, yeah, that's, I guess, the reason for that. But, uh, yeah, fantastic, uh, fantastic footballer. And then a player that, uh, two players actually up front, I went with a 4-4-2, so I had two strikers, so two guys that weren't mentioned yet. The first is uh, Cedric Bakambu. Um I think he was kind of like Burak in the sense that he was really good at getting into goal-scoring opportunities, but he, when he was at Bursaspor uh, in Turkey, he missed a lot of chances. Like I felt like he, he, pro- he had like a really good run where he scored a bunch of goals, and I remember being very critical of him at the time because I think he could have scored double the amount of goals of the amount of opportunities he got into. But then obviously he went uh, to Villarreal in uh, La Liga. He had an amazing... A career there, and then he uh, went to uh, China, I guess, for the big money. But Cedric uh, Bakambu, fantastic player. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to throw another name in there that we hadn't heard yet. And then finally, Milan Barosh uh, from Galatasaray. Yeah, really good striker. And he wasn't the Drogba, um, Mario Gomez, Robin van Persie level of a name, but he was definitely a name. Um, and Galsrey signed him, I think, in a, in a good point in his career. I think he was like 28, 29. So, like, in the, still at the, the, the tail end of his prime, uh, he was phenomenal in his first season. I think he scored a hat-trick against us. Yeah, uh, that game all one or four yeah. two. Yeah, Teo scored, I think. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, and uh, yeah, Barosh was a really, really good 
striker, and I think he's even still playing for Banik Ostrava right now, or he might have retired, but he was definitely still playing still last playing. season. Yeah, um, and he's what thirty? No, he must be forty almost. I think he's from nineteen eighty or he something. He also played so. for Antalyaspor well, for some time. Hmm. Yeah, anyway, I think he was a really good striker, and again, one of those names that probably gets lost in the shuffle a little bit, um, but uh, yeah, a player that I always liked, and uh, had a good career, of course, uh, outside of Turkey as well, uh, obviously for Liverpool. Also, if I'm not mistaken, you put a left-footed guy in the right back and a right-footed guy in the left back. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, Philip Dams is a right-footed. Is it? And yeah, he's right because he later. always played as a left back at Gincherbelli. I I recall him as a right back, but I might be mistaken. Anyway, uh, that's my team. Um, yeah, so let us know your team. Um, yeah. We have a tweet out. Feel free to reply to it. Let us know some of the players, none of your uh, of your team, of course. Um, so for the following weeks, obviously football still isn't started. Uh, like we said at the beginning of the show, uh, it definitely will still be at least another month. So that gives us at least four more episodes, which uh, we are for right now. Which So what we are going to do is we are all four of us are going to nominate one player that we're going to dedicate an episode to. And we're just going to talk about that player, reminisce about that player, talk about some moments of that player. So uh, a, 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 it has to be a player that was very significant for our personal uh, favorite club, uh, f for our uh, formative years in football, perhaps, uh, stuff like that. So it has to probably be a relatively big name. Um, so I'll go first. My nomination is current Besiktas coach, Sergen Yalcin. Um, Umut, who do you nominate? I don't know. Uh, it's quite a hard... Uh... Could be Haji. Hmm? But you, can you fill an episode talking about him? Uh, could be, yeah. Uh, because I uh, never watched him live, but I watched too many of his clips uh, and highlights and the, from the days, uh, videos from his days in his God's Fridays and even in his Barcelona and Real Madrid days. Uh, so, probably. Okay, well, uh, let Haji then? Yeah. Okay, Sergen, Haji, um, Jakub, who do you nominate? It has to be Fatih Teke. Yeah, we just know that that episode is going to come in week four. Uh, <laughs> 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 and Burak, who do you nominate? See, I'm, I'm going to stick to what people would expect and, and Alex. say Alex. I was toying with a few other names like, like Tunjai, uh, Van Hoydonk, um, even Volkan Demiral, but I've got I've got to go for my boy um, with his um, um, his surgical mask um, on his statue at the moment outside um, the Shukla Sarajola ground. Did he his... put a surgical mask on it? And gloves, yes. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> got to protect him. I hope they did the same for Left Dad as well, but I've not seen a picture of that. But yeah, it, it, it uh, yeah, my boy Alessandro de Souza. Okay. Yeah. So we'll put a poll out. We'll talk about all four of the players, but basically, you know, whoever wins the poll, we'll do that one first. And obviously, Fati Tiki will come last. Um, <laughs> Bura, can you uh, put out that uh, that that uh, poll, perhaps, uh, on the Twitter account? Then I can be lazy and not have to do it. And you're a social media manager anyway, so, yeah. you know. Yes, I'll get it out. And um, I'll, I'll leave it up there for, like, a couple of days so people have got time. Yeah, um, yeah give it... Uh, give it Give it f four or five days or something where you know we won't be, or 
Yeah, maybe give it three days. I guess we'll be recording like midweek next week. So yeah, mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, I think that will do for this week's episode of Football Autorica. Thank you very much for listening. Please go and check out our Patreon on patreon.com slash fault, uh, where you can become a VIP member and you can gain access to our VIP audio feed. Every month we drop some uh, extra additional podcast episodes uh, that won't be on the free feed here. Uh, so that stuff ranges from us talking about... Um, our favorite season recently, uh, both Jakub and uh, and Umut spoke about their favorite season as a respectively a Trabzonspor and a Galatasaray fan. I think uh, for uh, Jakub kind of cheated and picked two seasons, and Umut went with I think two thousand five, two thousand six, if I'm not mistaken, Umut. And uh, hopefully That's we'll be right. getting. Yeah, hopefully uh, I'll be having some time to sit down with Burak in the coming weeks to do something similar for him, for Fenerbahce. Uh, and maybe one of you can interview me for Besiktas and maybe we can get uh, Uzer and, and maybe Pat as well to do something. Anyway, uh, on VIP we will have, um, at, not every week, but we'll have uh, some bonus content constantly. And it's just $3 a month if you want to have some extra podcasts to listen to. Go and sign up. Once again, it's patreon.com slash fault. F-A-L-T. And it's just $3 a month. And uh, for that, you get um, uh, extra RSS feeds personalized to your uh, Patreon account. And you will be able to enter that RSS feed into a podcast player and you can basically then just listen to it as you listen to our current show anyway thank you very much for listening uh, we hope to see you again uh, well we hope that you will listen again next week and we hope of course that you'll sign up for uh, vip and most importantly please stay healthy wash your stay hands home. yeah stay at home of blavenu cot as they say here in belgium which is absolutely ridiculous exactly sit your asses down or like Samuel L. Jackson would say, stay the fuck at home. <laughs> Indeed, yes. Yes.